Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Today's episode is going to be me doing a chat with Connor McCabe. So Connor is a strength and conditioning coach. He works with primarily combat sport athletes. Um, and in this episode, we just have a discussion about everything revolving around training for combat sports, mistakes people make, um, misconceptions about recovery, um, strength training, how to balance those two things, etc, etc. So if you are somebody who does a combat sport, jiu-jitsu, boxing, kickboxing, kickboxing, whatever, um, or if you do any kind of sport that you need to balance with strength training, I think there's some really good stuff that you can take away from this podcast. Um, if you enjoy what Connor has to say, make sure to give him a follow on Instagram. His Instagram handle is Connor McCabe SC, and he puts up lots of good content um, about the very topic we're talking about today. All right, enjoy. Cool. All right, Connor, man, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. I know I said to you ages ago that we were doing going to do this, and um, as you know, it's been a fucking ridiculous year with uh, goings on in the world, and especially like the fitness industry. So I've been scrambling around doing park workouts and stuff with people. So the podcast hasn't really been my number one priority, but hopefully I get a few more episodes in with uh, good people to chat with, like yourself. Um, so I guess. Um, if people listening don't know you or don't follow you on Instagram, which they should be doing because you put up some really good stuff, um, maybe if you could give an idea about um, what your your background is um, and who are the, the kind of people that you work with. Thanks so much, man. Um, delighted to be doing this. Uh, yeah, as you said, we chatted about it a while back, so it's nice to uh, to, to get to do it now, like, which is sweet. Um, so I started training uh, probably like yourself when I was a kid, like, do you know what I mean, doing sports, and that's kind of where the interest first came from. Uh, I started doing martial arts when I was about five or six. Yeah. And then uh, my dad just got me into it. He thought it might be a good idea. He did it while he was younger. Um, so I got stuck into that, and I just fell in love with it uh, straight out of that. And I did that uh, for years, still do it to this day, um, and then took up weights maybe when I was about 15 or 16. Um again just interest most lads kind of get into the gym around that time and um, yeah. i think a combination of sport and all the rest kind of just kindled a good interest in that so i found myself in college with uh, the good man i'm speaking to here killian himself and uh, we did a degree in ucd in health and performance science and then uh, within that degree uh, certain people again two of us among them were given an opportunity to kind of indulge the strength and conditioning side of the degree a little bit more and uh, we got to do an internship there in the high performance gym in UCD. So that was great. And that was the first kind of exposure I know I had to like sort of a high level training environment and somewhere where athletes would come and go all the time and do their thing. And um, yeah, even seeing like the scoreboards, you know, I remember going above the mirrors and stuff. It was just a really cool environment. And uh, that kind of set me on wanting to, you know, replicate that environment going forward. And truth be told, I didn't do strength and conditioning coming out of college straight away. I kind of got into more personal training because that's just where I felt the market was. Well, I'm lucky enough mm. to be back towards it in the last year, year and a half, working with a lot of jiu-jitsu guys and uh, combat sport athletes. So that's kind of where I'm at at the minute now, and it's great. I'm really, really enjoying uh, that shift. Yeah, and so I guess 
that's kind of your your specialty at the moment is working with people who are involved in some kind of combat sports, probably mostly jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah, 100%. At the minute, it's it's mainly um, grapplers. Like, I have one guy that does a bit of striking as well. Um, and it, it actually changes, you know, it's like so much then when, when, when it's something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, mainly grapplers, I think. I, I've just been, I've been grappling myself for about four years and um, it's tough. It's tough on the body, like, um, and I find a lot of the lads that do it and stick with it for a while, they gravitate towards anything that makes their life on the mats a little bit easier. So uh, hopefully that's where I come in. Yeah, and um, I I would say dabbled, did not uh, get very far at all, but dabbled a little bit in jiu-jitsu myself, uh, probably from when I was about... I think I did it when I was 17 up until I was about maybe 19. Um, and uh, I, I didn't get past whatever whatever the last few stripes you can get on your white belt is. But obviously I came into it doing strength training and CrossFit and stuff like that in school. And I found that there was um, a lot of like preconceived notions about what training for martial arts should be like. And I think that, don't think it's even specific to jiu-jitsu. There's kind of this idea that you have to completely um, change everything about, you know, normal successful training practices as soon as you're doing martial arts. Um, it's a lot of funky stuff like guys rolling around with weighted sticks and stuff like that, practicing strengthening their guard. I don't know a lot about like how applicable that would be. But I suppose the question I wanted to ask you is, do you find it a hard sell sometimes with um, jiu-jitsu athletes on, you know, kind of just the benefits of getting generally stronger and how that can apply to, you know, injury prevention and stuff like that and improving their performance? Um, yeah, I think I think a lot of guys aren't aware of the impact that it would make. That's the biggest thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's that initial kind of buy-in where people find it's, you know, uh, why would I spend my time and my money and my effort doing that? Oh, I could just do more jiu-jitsu is the most common kind of answer that you get. Like, why won't I yeah. just do more skills practice? Like, that's a very common thing. Um, and I suppose it just comes down to those same guys do it then, and six months later, they realize how much more well-kept together their body is as a consequence of doing it. And then you get a great level of investment from people where people are like, oh, shit, this is keeping me together on the mats. Um, yeah. And then there's hopefully that little bit more buy-in but yeah man like you're right uh, e e even to echo what you said people expect sometimes to be doing mad stuff um and there's a time and a place i think for you know some specific work and some special strength acquisition but like all things it's broadly just foundational principles like big broad movements get strong over time progressively and like it is for most other things but that's where yeah. the most benefits found as well without a doubt yeah, because I guess sometimes people assume they're they're more advanced than they are, right? Oh man, like this—that's it's so good that you said that because that's a point I really hope that we would talk about. Um, that there's a big difference between a high-level performer in the sport and a high-level athlete. And I would yeah. credit our good friend Liam Walsh. I'm not the person that came up with that. Liam said that to me once, and uh, right. it just bang like a light bulb went off in my brain. I was like, yeah, man, of course, like that makes so much sense because. You could take someone who's perfect example, black belt in jiu-jitsu, very successful, maybe on a European, regional, national circuit, um, but gets to where they got to through their skills and through their ability mm. to apply jiu-jitsu. 
and they might be fucked. Like, do you know what I mean? Their back could be in bits and their joints are in bits. And their actual longevity in the sport isn't that long at all because you're not even a foundation level of an athlete. You're just a high, high performer and your body is yeah. just being beat to bits. So if you can find more balance between the two, obviously the, the skills is what pays the bills and wins competition. But having to be able to be on the mat to employ those skills and, and gain new ones, I think that's where strength and conditioning really comes in. And if people valued it for that, um, mm. see a lot more from it, I think, and do more of it. Yeah, because I think we forget that like sports really are the way that you know people are professional athletes now, or even like high level recreational athletes. That's quite a new thing for the human body to specialize that much in one thing. And I'm sure that you know if you would have gone back a few thousand years, people had to be much more versatile in the different types of movements they have to be able to do and you have to be able to run, climb, carry, etc. A lot of people can get away without doing any of that stuff and rise to a pretty high level in their sport if they have skill. But you're right, it does come back to bite you in terms of injury and stuff like that. Yeah, 100%. And I think what you just said there kind of echoes what you should do with someone then when they come in and they're lacking in all those areas of skill. They might be you know, so, so good at these specific positions and strengths, but can't get into a squat, can't get into an mm. overhead position for argument's sake, and just for general hip and shoulder health, there are two things that you might get to do people. So, as you say, just more of a generalist approach when dealing with people that are so highly specialised like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the next thing I wanted to ask you about, and I noticed actually when you do your Q&A things on Instagram, this seems to be a question that keeps popping up from um, uh, jujitsu guys that follow you is asking about how can I balance my SMC work with uh, my skill work properly? Um, so, you know, what would be the main kind of mistakes you see people making there and what's the, the main piece of advice that you end up giving to people? I suppose it's like having a look at your week and Chad Wesley Smith from Juggernaut Training Systems, he did a really good, he, he asked himself this question, or no, sorry, I, I take that back, actually, it was uh, it was Mike Israel said it. Yeah, yeah, I follow him. You know, balancing weights and jiu-jitsu, well, what are you trying to get from each? You know, are you trying to be the best of the best in jiu-jitsu, or are you actually trying to make progression on your lifts? Like, but we'll assume that, like, for most guys, it's like make progression in jiu-jitsu, and just use weights as some sort of supplementary thing there. I think the biggest thing is not going mad in the weights room, taking away energy that you could use in jiu-jitsu, and then yeah. just taking that fucking martial arts mindset of just bust yourself into the ground day after day and never actually recover from anything that you're doing. Like So many people would benefit. You look at some people's, and I'm sure, man, it's the exact same for you. Someone comes along and goes, hey, this is currently what my training week looks like, and this is how I split up my skills, my conditioning, and my strength conditioning work. And you mm. look at that and you go, right, well, if you just moved, you know, this around a little bit, your life gets 50% easier today. Do you know that sort of way? So yeah. I find that people don't kind of understand how to organize things and then how to recover properly. If you have a really, really hard day where you do strength work, skill work, and maybe even conditioning, you should probably be taking the next day off or at least taking a very, very light day of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I suppose a lot of these things come back, like what I say to people that I coach is that like all of this stuff is very simple if you just keep basic principles at the forefront of your mind, like balancing the work that you do and kind of keeping the goal the goal. So I'd imagine, like correct me if I'm wrong, that a lot of the time you're kind of encouraging people to remember that the main thing that they should care about improving is their performance on the math and that everything you do in the gym should be adding to that as opposed to taking away from it. Yeah, 100%. And it's really important that people don't come to training um, and expect to gain something incredible, you know, from like the gym that they're going to take mm. with them fly on the mats. Like it's not that easy, do you know what I mean? It only gives you the prerequisite skills that your body's capable of and the movements that it's capable of for you to then go learn those skills employ those skills with speed maybe with strength but it comes down to yeah it's only there to keep you on the mat doing your sport but you know the thing is outside of strength sports where you know the goal is to gain strength and then increase your total like that is the actual goal that's the way strength and conditioning is for all sports nearly it is simply yeah. done as supplementary work to keep them in the skill work as effectively and as long as possible because you want to maximize time on the mat like at the end of the day for the vast majority of people that I work with, like Daryl O'Connell is the jiu-jitsu coach and the skills coach from East Coast. Like, mm. I oh, for anyone that does any training with me, I just want them to spend as much time on the mat as possible learning from Daryl. Like, you know, that sort of way. Yeah. that's the best way for them to progress in their jiu-jitsu. And then I just kind of view my role as like, well, if I can help you stay on the mat in any way and avoid being injured, that's fantastic. And if we could even only do that, that would be really, really good. Yeah, because the the all the benefits of getting strong, um, powerful and faster and better conditioning are useless if you're injured and not able to do the sport. So yeah, one hundred percent, and it should be looked at both ways like that to both gain those attributes that we're looking for and to just keep us there actually doing the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then another thing I wanted to ask you, base. I see also this is like a, a common. Uh, thread that pops up when people are asking you questions is about how can I, you know, recover better for, um, you know, balancing my strength work and and my jujitsu and like what would be some of the stuff you end up um, advising people to do there? Eat more fucking food is usually a good start. Um, yeah, I suffer from that myself, man. But like, you want to hear some of the things like people and all oh, right, he knows who he is if he's listening to this. Right, I'm talking about you. Fella turned around to me once and said he couldn't gain weight, and I was like, "How? He, why? Why is that?" And he goes, "Oh man, all I have is uh, what was it he said? He was covering crackers in olive oil." I think. <laughs> wow, like you're that's not a athlete, you asshole. You know what I mean? You go eat some meat. Do you know what I mean? Or maybe some eggs yeah. or something like. And um, so I think that would be conducive uh, a lot to recovery, like you say. These two basic principles. It's like hit your. I don't want to get down that rabbit hole, but just hit your calories and your protein. Like it's probably a really good start. Drink enough water. Yeah. You do that, and it's like ninety percent of the way there, if not more. But people miss that, and people try to just train, oh, train harder. Oh, I'm feeling really bad on mats. Oh, I'll do more jujitsu to get over that. As mm. distinct from maybe I should eat breakfast or cut back on my caffeine intake and take a look outside of what you're doing on the mat. And then I think yeah. when people do address that. That's where they see the craziest results and, and immediate kind of benefits from that. As close to immediate as you're going to get, anyway. 
yeah, because people seem to get very wrapped up in these elaborate uh, ways of like somehow recovery. I'm sure if you Google recovery, like as a hashtag on Instagram, you're going to see lots of ice baths and foam rolling and all this like manual tissue work. And nine times out of 10 for me, when I have clients asking me about that, the person is getting maybe an average of six hours of sleep a night and they're eating at least 500 fewer calories a day than they should be of a crap diet. And it's like, the way I describe that to people is like, what you're telling me now is basically that, you know, you essentially have like a hundred quid sitting under your pillow at home. And you want to ask me how you can find all the little pennies out on the road so that you can save up for this thing that you want. I was like, just grab the money under your pillow. That's good. I like that. That's a really good analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's so yeah. true. Um, you know that guy that wrote the, the book on sleep, Matthew Walker? Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I heard some of the book is, is this and that. Anyway. Yeah, I have heard like some, like, you know, quote unquote, real sleep experts say that he kind of extrapolates things a bit too much. But yeah. I'm sure the basic principles of it are sound enough. I'm sure, I'm sure they are. And at the end of the day, I don't know enough to be criticised. But what, one yeah. thing he said, I really liked what he said, was he said, um, sleep is the freest, most powerful performance enhancing uh, supplement available like on the planet and no one uses it. Um, yeah. And I'm paraphrasing, but he's absolutely right. Like, um, yeah, man, I, like I for one, I could sleep more, you know, that sort of way without a doubt. Yeah. And I think when you do, you sort of shit notice it you know that's sort of way you kind of feel that definitely and the best athletes have that shit nailed do you know what i mean like yeah. always nailing sleep and nailing food and it shows it really shows like yeah i've I've always noticed that with friends or people i know who are at a much higher level in sport like it's not it's a non-negotiable that like you know i have to go get my lunch now no sorry i can't come out i'm going to bed at half 10 i have to get up for eight o'clock tomorrow um, which is fine, but people have to, to know where their priorities are and be realistic about what they can recover from. Yeah, 100%. And it's good that people, and as you say, this recreational athlete thing is quite new. Um, yeah. But it's, it's good to see people starting to adopt those more traditionally athletic kind of principles, such as structured meal times and bedtimes and that sort of thing, and apply that to, to their lives because there's huge, huge benefits to be found in that. Which, you know, like, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, so next thing I wanted to ask you about is in terms of conditioning work, um, and for anybody who's listening, it might not be familiar with that term, we're basically talking about cardiovascular fitness training um, or endurance training, whatever way you want to phrase it. Um, do you do much of that with the people that you train? Do you tend to focus more on the strength stuff? Um, what's your approach generally to that with uh, the combat sport athletes you train? Yeah, so I suppose I don't do so much of it there with the guys in person and um, right. program it more than I stand there and actually oversee it. And uh, generally, yeah. I just find that there's a better use of the time because uh, you get yeah. a lot. Like you put someone on a bike for forty minutes, like you can do a lot of fucking exercise work in forty minutes. You can teach someone quite a lot, like. And it's pretty hard to mess up going on a bike. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, the one thing maybe where you draw an exception is I'm sure there's good crack in having, like, big group conditioning workout for morale, getting last yeah. blast circuits and that sort of thing. But on an individual level, I tend to just program it more. Um, 
But yeah, I find that um, people don't want to do that. Like people will do their strength training uh, pretty yeah. okay and enjoy it, but they don't want to get on a bike for forty minutes or a rower generally. So I tell people mm. to use. Um, and yeah, don't a huge benefit to be found in that if you did it once or twice a week. You know, just an aerobic base of training, like. Yeah, and like, what do you make of you know? There's there's always this debate that tends to rage about like you know. Should guys just, you know, rely on sparring and or rolling in the, in the case of jiu-jitsu as their main source of conditioning? Or should they be looking at doing things like, you know, the, the longer aerobic base work, like going out for runs or going on a bike or a rower for 30 or 40 minutes? Yeah, um, I think yeah. with that, it's like both is the answer, isn't it? It's like, mm. look, there's no debate at all that if you want the most specific way to improve your capacity in the sport, it's sparring like without a doubt rolling in jiu-jitsu and like you're putting yourself in the like the psychophysiological environment of like sparring and martial arts because there's a lot of like testing of wills that saps on people's energies and then you know you could gain some momentum and some energy comes with that so it's important to indulge like yourself in that landscape and again i can't see a reason why no less than 70 80 percent of your conditioning training you know should be that specific but I think where it falls down is just, again, to come back to what we were saying earlier, is just a general, uh, generalist kind of approach. Mm. Approach on aerobic capacity. Um, you know, a lot of guys would benefit from having a better aerobic capacity because they'd recover better in between rounds and their anaerobic work would be easier. You know, life yeah. would be easier. Like your aerobic system is what your, your body fucking functions on. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. and just having a base level of function in that which doesn't cost a lot like you can do that you know two 30 40 minute sessions a week on any implement of your choice really it's just yeah. elevate your heart rate and um, yeah i think there's definitely something to be said for that but lads are less inclined to want to hear that they want to do sparring and they want to do something that makes them sweat and feel like oh i'm doing the thing like um yeah yeah less inclined to say yes to that sort of thing. Um, I have to say, like, I've done a pretty wide spectrum of uh, types of conditioning in my life. I've done crazy crossfit workouts with burpees and thrusters and box jumps, and I've pushed prowlers till I was about to puke, and I've never, ever been as knackered as I have been from finishing a really hard rolling session with someone. Runs the hardest thing in the world, without a doubt. Um, well, maybe MMA sparring is probably a bit tougher, but that's about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, when you're trying to run with someone that's trying to strangle you, they're usually pretty heavy. Uh, do you know what I mean? And you're constantly, well, a lot of people don't realize about Jiu Jitsu is when you know, they don't do it unless they don't actually fucking realize. There's a huge amount of isometric holding going on during the yeah. holds. So not only are you trying to move fast and be explosive and make like, decisions under pressure but the whole time there's a huge isometric squeeze going on often from mm. very specific musculature like your adductors all of your left side might be squeezing and then your right side's free to be to be doing other work so i think the the what would you say the psychological aspect of it as well makes it really really tough as well i think once that gets easier people find it easier in general yeah because you're Obviously, no one, no one's gonna kill you, but like on a more primal level, it kind of feels like you're fighting for your life. 
they're not going to kill you, but it's as close to killing you as anyone's ever going to get. With, now, with yeah. Killing you, do you know that's what we're truly like. Yeah. Is, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if they if they hold on the choke, that's it. Do you know, but mm. they don't, which is nice of them. That's <laughs> nice with a lot of camaraderie of jujitsu and that sort of thing. Yeah. Strong thanks for not killing me. But, yeah. Um, Cheers, yeah, yeah it's as close as you're going to get without someone actually fucking doing it. Okay. Um. So the, the next one I wanted to ask you about is have you had many conversations with people that you train about like finding out what would be the ideal weight class for them to, to be in? Because I've had it before. I had a, a couple of guys who were doing combat sports come to me that I train. And um, from my perspective, for like those individuals anyway, I felt like they could have benefited from gaining a little bit of weight um and as you know certainly in mma anyway like i'm a big mma fan and there's a huge issue with guys kind of just wrecking their bodies trying to stay in a certain weight class and not being able to recover from training because you know if you have to stay in a certain weight class you can't eat a certain amount of food all the time is it a conversation that you have very much with lads you kind of leave it up to them or the coach to decide what weight class they're going to stay in yeah like again I suppose that um, I have to be aware of like where your role as like the strength coaches or where your role as the skills coaches. And um, yeah. I feel like that's often the conversation that they should have with Dara before they would, because I, I don't feel like in a position to advise anyone on what weight class they should be in. But mm. they then turn around and say, oh, like that's the weight class I'm going to be in. How should I go about that? That's a different story. Um, right. Um, but I would, I would agree with you fully, man. I think the vast would gain, and I just the advice I often give, could gain a little bit of weight, go up a class, not cut any weight, um, be fit, be healthy on the day, um, and not drain their body. Because like, if you're not a professional athlete and you're not, like, there's a bit, there's, there's a hell of a lot more of an argument for it if you are a professional athlete and you do MMA or something like that. Um, yeah. Because the disparity is too huge. But I don't know, man, I think for the average uh, recreational athlete, weekend warrior, whatever you want to call it, I don't think it's worth it. Um, I think it's tough on your body. Um, there's yeah. a reason organizations around the world, like one, are trying to do away with it. Um, it's just it's just a weird thing from wrestling that just got wrapped up in MMA, like, do you know that sort of way? Um, yeah. And there's no need for it to be there. Um, I find, though, what's really good to see is that most people that you talk to about it now seem to agree with that point of view. And seem mm. to be of the opinion that they should go up and would rather not cut weight. So that's a yeah. nice thing you get that back from people because that's ideally what you want to hear. Like. And even in MMA now, you're seeing um, a few guys who've experimented with going up weight classes and, and found that it really had a huge positive impact on their, their freshness and explosiveness and stuff like that. Yeah, 100%. Like ask, you know, Robert Whitaker how that went for him. Like, do you know what I mean? He went all the way mm. up there went 10 rounds with Romero and he didn't do so well. Look at him. And then on the flip side of it, you've got guys like Jared Cannonier. Now the argument to be made for Cannonier is he was so super big. He was so bigger than he should have been in the first place that he's yeah. actually operating at a size where he's big on his frame, but not huge, you know, and probably doesn't cut a lot of weight to get to where he yeah. is. And again, finds himself in that kind of ideal weight class because there's no harm in cutting a kilo or two if you have a lot of muscle tissue that's fine do you know that's yeah. the way but anything more exciting than that's probably not a good idea it impacts your performance too much 
I think actually one of the most uh, reasonable solutions I heard was uh, changing it to dehydration testing. So, but there's a certain amount of hydration that you have to have in your system because otherwise it just seems like lads will keep trying to find ways to, to cut waste that are going to impact their health. Yeah, 100%. And all to gain an advantage. And like, man, you see some of the, the size differences between guys. And mm. it's any wonder. But you're forced to in many ways, aren't you? Because like you look at, say me or you were to enter an MMA competition next weekend, right? Like more than likely, if the guy that we're fighting against it has been doing it for any length of time or intends to, it's probably going to be cutting weight. It's probably going to be a foot a lot bigger than you. Do you know that sort yep. of way? And you're inclined to say, hang on, I might go down the weight class here. Yeah. Some of the smaller fellas to just suffer mm. and deal with, you know, whatever it is. But I know from personal experience, man, I've competed as many times cutting weight as I have going up in weight and conceding kilos to people. And um, I've done so much better every time I went up in weight and conceded weight and was lighter than other people in the class. Because I often find yeah. that it works two ways. Like I'm about 82 or 83 kilos and I want to just fight mm. up to the 88 class. Guys that are fighting in the 88 class are often coming down from like 91, 92. And then um, you're often a lot faster than those guys and you're well fed and that kind of thing. But then you don't yeah. have the proper height control. So it works both ways. Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so next thing I wanted to ask you about was just as a, a general thing, is there a major mistake that you see most commonly being made by guys who maybe maybe they've already gotten into doing some strength training and they've tried doing it themselves before they've come to you um what would you see like the biggest mistake that people make when they they go off and try to do this stuff by themselves yeah i suppose it's the most common thing you kind of see with most people is just doing things badly and then not being instructed how to do them the right way um, I find mm. when people go and like I think powerlifters are a great example because it's quite an individual sport you have to go and find out about correct mechanics and that sort of thing um, yeah. but they tend to they tend to you look at most people train, they tend to have reasonably good mechanics um, so I think a lot of guys could extend that there as well and try to just take more of an interest like man people in jiu-jitsu will learn about a guard you know oh I learned about this fucking new guard this new fucking k guard or whatever oh i'm gonna go watch so many videos on that and like mm. really dive down you know but if they did the same thing for their squats or something like that um they'd make their life a lot easier find it easier to progress and yeah yeah that that makes a lot of sense like just putting a little bit more of the same effort that's already given you success in your main sports into the, the smaller stuff that you're doing to help it. Yeah, because you see the people that do, you know, like I have, you know, and you know yourself, man, you're the same. You show someone something and you've got two types of people. You've got people who just go, yeah, okay, cool, no problem. And then you've got people that go home and like watch videos on it and like, do you know what I mean? They come back the next day and it's so good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They come back a week later and I'm like, how the fuck do you get that good? You've been practicing that. They're like, yeah. And you're yeah. like, right, okay, there you go. Well, that's why. And you're going to see progress so much quicker. Um, just like Dara would tell us in jiu-jitsu, yeah, you could come to class and just do what I tell you, but it would serve you better if you also drilled in your spare time, watched some matches, you know, and took an interest in it outside of just 
the time you have to put in as opposed to the time you feel that you have. Yeah. Well, it's like anything, you know, you, you get what you put into it. Um, right, so we're coming towards the end here. I just wanted to, um, to ask some questions about, I guess, your own uh, personal experience with coaching and training. Um, so one thing I'm always interested to ask people is, because we, we have, like, pretty set in stone like we were talking about earlier principles that aren't going to change everybody knows that you need to use a bit of progressive overload and training you have to recover from it you have to be smart about your food and sleep but is there anything you've learned in the past year or so that has had like a significant uh impact on the way that you coach people or the way that maybe you do your own training yeah, I suppose the biggest thing for me in the last year was I had a lot of bias um, kind of from my past and from the exercise that I had done, I had seen done around me, um, and I had become very barbell biased, um, yeah. very kind of strength sport biased, even though I wasn't training traditional strength athletes. Um, yeah. So then one thing I found myself doing was, oh, hang on a minute, I was looking at guys hopping and skipping, jumping, throwing, landing, doing different things like this, twisting, running. And I was thinking, right, that needs to have more of a place in what I'm doing in my own training and then what I'm trying to get the guys to do. Because coming back to what we said earlier was, you know, you've got athlete over here and you've got performer in your sport over here. So they will take care of this themselves. They will go and learn their skills and get better, you know, at their jiu-jitsu. But if we could over here just build those prerequisite athletic abilities like the ability to to jump to skip to transfer force well to throw things to triple extend just to do these things that like we take for granted knowing mm. how to do but then when we go and apply ourselves to something it makes it so much easier like i don't know about you but i can pick up most physical things that don't have a huge skill element that i have to learn and be reasonably okay at it reasonably mm. so because you've got the prerequisite movements you can do all these things quite well um yeah so i think lads if they just took a bit of a long-term look at that and they said right i'm going to be an athlete and i'm going to be compete for the next whatever 10 20 years if i spent the next five years just getting good at the basic athletic abilities that i that my body's capable of and um, mm -hmm. oh, they have no idea what they could be doing in the gym in six seven eight years time yeah, people always have that tendency to try to to rush to do the stuff they've seen, you know, maybe some guys on Instagram doing. And there are some people that I have been able to start on, you know, barbell versions of exercises like squats and deadlifts and stuff like that. But, I mean, I'd say if I was starting off now, you know, training myself when I was a teenager, I'd just have myself doing you know bodyweight squats and goblet squats and push-ups and stuff like that because you know i've always had terrible you know natural mobility and not been the fastest to pick up uh technique and sports and stuff like that so i guess it has to be um specific to the, the person's movement abilities yeah 100 percent. You're, you're absolutely right and um, 
just getting some fundamentals and that goes a long way and not chasing the fancy stuff I suppose fancy stuff will come you know but you have to earn it like yeah definitely um okay and then uh last question I wanted to ask you um I asked this to uh, Connor Gaugi as well who I had on uh, a few months ago if you were when did you say you started training like 15 or so yeah about 15 15 16 something like that 16 I think Cool. So, you know, if you were in a position where, you know, you could give some advice to yourself going into the gym for the first time, you know, what would you, you tell yourself? I, I think the best thing I would say to myself starting off and I would say to anyone starting off with anything is like you're not expected to be good at this now um, and you're not expected to even be good at it in two years time. Um, so some acceptance of where you are in what you're doing will let you progress a lot better. And again, let you stop kind of skipping ahead to try and, oh, I want to bench press this much. I want to squat this much. And then one thing which I'm glad to see it change somewhat, and I hope I'm right, but I would be of the opinion that nowadays, young lads getting into the gym are ever so slightly more interested in the right way to do things, less so than how much weight they can get on the bar. Like that's always going to be there. And that ego component to train with your mates. But I'd like to think yeah. that now lads are saying, oh no, this fell on Instagram said that this was the right way to do this. You know, do it that way. Because man, like you could fuck around in the gym for six or seven years doing things the right way between the ages of like 18 and 24 and you'd be a fucking beast by the time you're 25. Like, you know, that sort of way. Uh, if you were just doing it the right way yeah. and you were kind of nudged, oh, that's how you do these that's how you do that you know that's our way yeah i always look back and think that um i could have made the gains that took me 10 years and probably five years or less if i started off doing the right stuff yeah 100 percent. but sure look hindsight's 2020 isn't that we still have plenty of years ahead of us so uh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. try to keep the body healthy yeah, um right that's everything that i had um really appreciate you coming on um, I'm sure we can do it again sometime. I'll try to get a little bit more consistent with episodes. Um, and yeah, if anybody wants to to follow you on Instagram, what's your Instagram username again? So it's uh, Connor McCabe SC for strength and conditioning. Um, and I'm just really on Instagram. I don't use a whole lot of other platforms. Yeah, cool. And you put up really good stuff on Instagram about you know uh, tips for combat sport athletes and how they can train and how they can balance it with all the jiu-jitsu stuff and, and technique videos and stuff like that appreciate that thanks so much yeah just hoping to help out my uh, jiu-jitsu brothers and sisters fucking stay on the mat a little bit longer you know because it's a uh, it's tough grind like yeah try to keep those thumbs in their sockets yeah man that's exactly it you said it like, thanks so much for having me on I really enjoyed it it's nice to uh, to just chat about stuff you know in long form and actually get into it with someone like yourself. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much. No worries, man. All right, I'll talk to you soon, okay? 100%, brother. Talk soon. Have a good one. See you, brother.